Hello, universe. I feel a little guilty that I'm even hitting record right now because it is fucking gorgeous. It's 64 degrees, totally sunny. It's a beautiful day. I just got off the tennis courts, and I should go back. But I'm a little tired, and I still have to work out today, so I thought, well, I guess I'll go home, get high, and talk about nonsense to the universe of people who don't listen. I mean, you're listening. I'm not saying you're not listening. I appreciate you listening. As a matter of fact, I can't even describe how touched I am by some of the communication that has dribbled my way through various um, international and domestic interests in what I have said and what it is that I believe. So, <clears throat> for all of you who have continued to put up with my staccato, if not lethargic, delivery, my circuitous route <clears throat> of logic and presentation, as well as my obtuse use of the English language, well, I mean, <clears throat> how do I say thanks for all that? You're letting me be the real me, man. I love you for it. Pause. And woman, not just man, woman too. You're letting me be the real woman that I am as well. I appreciate that part too. Pause. And those women who appreciate when I am manifesting as man or woman, well, I appreciate those women too, as indicated in the last recording, that we're all beautiful, exactly as we are. Though, we all could be better, because there's that little bit of us that could be, you know, we're not totally committed to being our best selves. When we get there, oh, Slurpees for everybody. Um, pause. So, Slurpees is the best you could come up with? Slurpees for everybody? Wow. Well, I mean, set your sights high, right? Um, pause. I wonder if the ambient noise from the occasional traffic going up and down Wolf Street is causing chaos in the recording listenability. Of all the things that I don't need, are things that aren't my fault, causing things that really become my fault, so thus again, it's all my fault. Let me shut the window though, that seems like something I could do to be courteous. But on a January 29th day when it's this nice, having the window open, well, what a treat that is. Don't think I don't realize it, universe. After last year's 100 days of rain, well, opening the universe's beautiful January weather so I could play tennis with my dad in his 84th year? He's 80 fucking four. And we just went and played tennis. And I, okay, I'll admit, last year was the first year, maybe the year before, but last year for sure, that I had to tone down my game <clears throat> to allow my father enough uh, mm, buffer zone to not kill himself going for a ball that was more than he should go for. Because... Why I say it might have been the year before, the year before I didn't really let up on him, but I watched him stumble on the court two or three times that were fucking scary. 
And so uh, I told him numerous times that I wasn't going to play with him if he was going to cause himself to uh, recklessly injure himself on the court, that he needed to stop trying to play like he was 40 or even 54. Because fuck, man, I don't let up. In fact, <clears throat> it's strange how good my goddamn tennis game is. I hit a couple of slap shots today just to try it out because I was watching the Australian Open and the men's tennis game, that little pop inside out forehand to the uh, immediately to the backhand side, hip flat, like it's almost a volley. It's just a bam move and it is deadly. I don't know what allows that shot to be so easily executed, but <clears throat> my tennis game, phew, I might have to play competitive tennis this summer just to see how good it is. But that's enough about me. Let's take a break, let our sponsor have a word, and then we'll get back to talking about me. All right, all right, right on. Uh, let's see. Uh, sponsors? Let's see. Uh, today's sponsor, today's show is sponsored by Diebold Voting Machines. That's right. If you want to be something that only... Uh, one guy, and his name was Mike Connell, but he was uh, killed in a plane crash that he caused. Oh, you want to know about a Mandela effect? Oh, I don't even want to talk about this one. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Is that in the sponsorship blurb that we're reading? That part about Mike Connell? What? Okay. So, if you were looking to become uh, the most critical piece in the voting process and become that in a way that you were given absolute guaranteed trust that it was all working perfectly at all times because that's how much we trust you because you're that trustworthy voting machine because that's essentially what we're up against. <clears throat> when you go say things to the corporation that is Diebold, or whoever it is now, doesn't matter, they all just graduate to a new tax-sheltered version of themselves. But the idea here is we turned our national election system over to a corporation who will not allow us to review the coded process whereby it is determined how our elections went down. That is proprietary information that no one is allowed to see except members of the Diebold Corporation. Again, why? Why would we do that? Why would we take what needs to be a transparent and guaranteed accurate system of counting and attribution and turn it over to a corporation who then turns a profit on running our elections in a manner that is cloaked from everyone but them. Do I live in a fucking sanitarium? Do I? Why do I have to ask that question? Repeatedly. Pause. Unpause. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know. I'm fucking crazy. 
So yeah, I live in a sanitarium. I'm more comfortable with that theory of what? Planet Earth, prison Earth? Than almost any other. I've been sent here to suffer the mediocrity of this particular time and space and point in space-time. Thank you, Einstein. Whatever star date 86.32415 this is, we are, by any fair judgment from a third-party observer, we are all getting Ds. It's amazing we keep persisting without just blowing ourselves off the map. But that doesn't mean I lost hope. You know I love y'all. I just ask why you think this run of life doesn't deserve the very best you coming alive. Why do you hide the best of you inside and not manifest it like it's supposed to be on this ride? If I say another lyric, it'll end with wide. Because now the only word I have to rhyme is tide. Is that the ocean tide or the detergent? Shit. I live in Colorado. Which one do you think it was? Pause. I'm pause. Alright, so another thing about drugs. Since we haven't talked about those yet, have we? Um, <clears throat> I do make myself take a sober month every year from marijuana. A, because, oh God, does it feel good to get high after that month. And B, because once again, it proves to myself that when push comes to shove, I am not dependent on something to the point that I can't just up and stone cold turkey quit it whenever I feel like it. <clears throat> now, I know picking February is cheap in that 28 days doesn't quite measure up, does it now? And I totally agree with that, because if I don't say totally, then I only agree with it. But I'm, A, going to use this same four-week period to really push my fitness toward uh, mm, athletic fitness, not strength fitness. So by not smoking, I'm hoping to see a gain of function in my lungs that is noticeable to help me maintain a cutback in overall inhalation of foreign products into my lungs. I don't know how much this is affecting me, but when I went biking yesterday and did a pretty tough sprint up a hill, by the time I got up the top of that hill, I was fucking gasping. So I don't know if that's just I've gotten a little out of shape, which is possible, or I'm doing more damage to my lungs than I think I am. And so that made this year's decision of, huh, you know, I still haven't figured out which month to fucking be sober this year. And I'm not doing October, but any other month is a candidate. Well, once I realized that this was opportunity meeting obvious, hmm, necessity, well, February it is. So, <clears throat> unfortunately, this will also be a way to test how low my creativity can go 
since I think I'm already essentially a t-ball player in a Major League Baseball world with what I've offered so far in the year after the year after Love was left on the cutting room floor. And with all of that mediocrity swirling about and underneath and on top of and sometimes even behind me, I feel like this is a good time for just enough of a paradigm shift that my mind can't help but react to new circumstances with a different set of uh, criteria in play. Simply put, sometimes you just got to put the pipe down. Fucking get out and get some exercise, you know what I mean? And February will be my month to do that. I look forward to it. I will continue to update once a week what my progress looks like as I take my overall health extremely seriously for one 28-day period. <gasps> it's a leap year. Fuck. I thought I was going to get off the 28 days. Now I have a 29th day. Okay, 29th is fine. You know, I might even round up to March 1st so that I don't chintz out on 30-day months, which is one alternative that would have been totally fair to pick otherwise. Well, I won't do that. Let's face it. I'll get to day 29 and be like, fuck yeah, this is done. But 29 days of no drugs and what was the other thing I was going to do? Oh yeah, exercise. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> that's very optimistic of me to think I could pull off both of those at the same time. This will be a test. Good thing I picked February. Pause. Unpause. Okay, that's how that works. I'm trying out the, uh, what is this thing? This is a Nokia X100. It is a phone that I do not recommend for several reasons, but none of which do I need to get into because I believe it's got to be at least three or four years old if I have one. So nobody here gives a shit. But it does lead to some confusing controls in terms of the recording, at least in terms of the counter, but now I see how it all works, so we're good. Sorry for putting you through a little bit of the product test kit that it is to replace my now-defunct Galaxy S4. But I do have a brand new Galaxy S4 in a box, so if this all doesn't work out, I can always go back to old, what, what are you, old, uh, reliable? Old, uh, technology? Too old for anybody other than a 54-year-old man to even consider? Oh, don't talk about her that way. Come on, pause. On pause. All right. So again, I was I was uh, I was talking last recording about um, trying trying to drill down how it is that societies come to a conclusion like let's kill all the Jews. All right. This is just a a, a, a statement of historical relevancy in that I don't know of another real. Um, decision of genocide that uh, I can speak to. I know genocidal uh, occurrences in Southeast Asia and Africa um, have been, uh, have are, are present that I'm going to not be speaking to, and I'm not doing that because I don't recognize they exist. I just recognize that I can't speak to them with as much of the foundational propaganda and historical truths and mistruths that I can speak about the German Holocaust against the Jews, since that's the one they teach us about and make us always think about in this country. 
So that's the one we're going to reflect upon. It's a little bit lazy of me to be this intellectually, uh, by default, uh, content-oriented. I should go look up Rwanda. I should go look up Cambodia. I should go look up other genocides that I'm sure have happened that I'm not even aware of. And yet, we're going to just stick to the concept of societies coming to a decision like, all they people, they gots to go. Now. Okay. Because the numbers are easy, thankfully. You get the six million in roughly six years, which means, oh boy, oh, I'm Buzz. Well, there's one vote for being out of shape. How can I be tired? It's fucking, what, four? What time is it? 4.39. 4.39 on the 29th of January. So, happy Aquarius time, all you 29s. I got to admit, I wouldn't necessarily trade the June 28th birthday, but I might trade it for June 29th. Being born on the 29th is fucking awesome. So, congratulations, 29s. All right, back to um, how societies come to these decisions. So, first of all, you have to you have to scale up, right? Like, if you're going to kill a million people a year and deal with all of what that comes with, meaning a million dead bodies, well, that's a that's a massive operation, and so thus the death camps, right? The I believe they're called. Um, concentration camps in our society but these concentration camps having been to Dachau were properties that well you could imagine them processing in the hundreds or thousands of people to do it to the scale of killing uh, what what does it come down to 1.7 people per minute so in three minutes time you would kill five people and you would do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week for six years. So you have to have the whole industry that it requires to manage the genocide itself ready to go, or at least be scalable in real time as you process through this, uh, this horrific act. Um, and, and to me, that means the entire military kind of has to buy in. I, I assume that no civilians really were involved here. I don't remember a whole lot of reporting about civilians being forced to make decisions here. I remember a lot of reporting about the officers involved and them just following orders and things like that. And so, again, <clears throat> I assume the military is the place where all of this happened. And I have seen at least the second half of Schindler's List. I'm not sure if I watched the whole first half. But... I've seen enough representation that I can, and having been there, I can picture sort of the, the, uh, the situational reality that it would have been to process all of these victims. And again, I didn't, I didn't uh, get to Auschwitz, which I think was the main pr processing uh, plant. Uh, plant, God, this is hard to speak on, man. This is just, this is humanity at its worst. And so to try to understand humanity, it's worse. I guess you have to be willing to speak on those terms as they occurred without feeling the dread they, uh, they, what? 
the, the language just naturally um, forces into the material. Concentration camp, gassing victims, crematoriums, and they, they would have been running nonstop. And, and I know Dachau couldn't have been but more than just a slight satellite. It was just tiny. It couldn't have processed. There were only two, um, two crematorium ovens or whatever where you would burn bodies. And <clears throat> I mean, when you think about them having to having to dispose of five bodies every three minutes, I mean, they must have been burning them in just piles, right? I, I mean, again, I don't know where you go find information like this out. And it's it's important to find out because you have to assume, let's just assume that the figures doubled, right? Let's assume that it was really more like three million, which probably makes sense because whatever you found, you're going to pass that story down the line and it's like a game of telephone, it's just going to get inflated. So even if you have it, and that means that you were dealing with three bodies every 10 minutes, well, you're still talking about a massive industrial operation of processing human uh, remains in an effective and efficient manner. So you had to have a lot of people involved, at least that knew how the system worked, because it had to have worked for 6 million people, or maybe closer to 3 million, right? And that's a shit ton of people. That's the entire city of Dallas, if I remember right. I can't remember who's 3 million. It might even be, no, it can't be Houston. Anyway, it's some city in Texas. Point is, this is the first kind of thing you should do when you're trying to figure out, well, how did it happen? Okay, well, what happened? And then who was running it are important questions. Because if it turns out they were all paid mercenaries, well, okay, the situation's a little different. Who was paying the mercenaries? Because maybe the public was a little iffy on the whole thing and you just came in and took an advantage of a situation in which a public wasn't going to react. And thus, an extermination program was uh, dressed up as nationalism or something. I'm, I'm just saying, whatever, this, whatever happened, you have to be willing to let the facts show you what happened. Not go in there and say, well, we know it was the military or whatever, because I saw a film in fourth grade that had a bunch of dudes with helmets on. Okay. There is value in having seen for yourself the firsthand data that is there to be reviewed and to have come to the conclusion that what you thought you knew lines up. There is just as much value in doing that work and coming to the conclusion that what you see is different from what you anticipated. There is even more value in going through that work process and coming to the conclusion that what you see is not only different than what you thought you were going to find, but is completely different from what the narrative that is drawn from these facts and original source materials is told. And in those disconnects, well, then you go and redouble down on how you think you've discovered an anomaly because usually the anomaly is in your thought process, not in the actual data. So now you have to attack it from a different circumstance, find the same conclusion, and now you can verify that perhaps this data set has been misinterpreted. And since misinterpreting data 
what what is it now? Eighty five percent of uh, of papers published in the twentieth century, scientific journal studied uh, uh, documentation does not support the conclusion that's there, or was improperly uh, uh, established in the experimental phase with out control groups or other variables that make the results invalid. In other words, science was fucking sloppy all through the 20th century. And at the end of the 20th century, we started to understand just what it took to rigorously adhere to the scientific method so that the data you were interpreting was a set of non-biased results. That is something humans will always struggle with. But to say that we had it even remotely on our radar in the 20th century is baloney. It's not even baloney, it's horseshit. It's fucking cockamamie. Bullshit didn't happen. It was the century of people saying, well, I think it's going to look like this, then throwing out any data that didn't agree with that so that they could call a data set that proved, oh yeah, this is it. Or if that didn't work, just make up the fucking numbers. And then thank the funding group from the Ford Foundation for that $54,000 check they just got you. In this country, we fund science through special interests. And occasionally universities and government studies. But more so, it's where the money is, goes the funding, goes the science, goes the opinion, goes the results. So the next time you hear, uh, who does the news anymore? Well, like Katie Kirk? No, she can't be on there. She was like Palin time. Um, who would do the news these days? I would guess, uh, we'll just say, oh, fuck, I don't know. Peter Jennings still out there? Is he alive? When the next news story breaks that says, a recent study has shown, or it has been proven by scientists that, just assume it is wrong. Go look at go look at the study. Go find out if, in fact, there are all of the parameters in place that make it valid scientific data that is repeatable by anyone else if they choose to do the same experimental work. Otherwise, well, it's a lot like this recording. Horseshit and baloney. Yeah, but no way are 85% of the 20th century studies invalid. Smartphones, fuckface. Satellites, fuckface. Moon landing, fuckface. PlayStation 5, fuckface. What are you saying? These things don't exist? They all exist because of science. The internet. You saying science didn't give us all these things? You're just dumb. You fall for stupid conspiracy theories. Telling us 85% of the studies. It's just wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, I get that we have this technology emerging. That is true. Mostly via government funding of the military. But I'm not saying you can't learn things using the scientific method even when you do it sloppily. And I'm also not saying that 
in all those studies, the fact that the results themselves cannot be replicated or are found to have used methods that are not supporting the conclusions drawn because no control group proves otherwise, well, what do you want me to do? If, uh, let's see if I can come up with a good analogy. Yeah, sure. If I teach you how to putt and you get pretty good at it and we decide, you know what, you've gotten good enough at putting, we should just go out and play some golf. But I never, ever, ever teach you how to swing a golf club and instead just throw you on the first tee and say, it's a lot like putting, just use a longer stroke. You're going to have absolutely no idea how the hell you got in this situation where what you know about the game is now of no use to you whatsoever. And because scientists were like the people who knew how to putt but didn't know how to play golf, their statistic statistician approach, statistical approach, their logic in using uh, the necessary established protocols for an experiment to be unbiased didn't exist. So I'm not saying they had some evil intent or were even just lazy, thought it would be more fun to watch Scooby-Doo than actually get to the lab early this morning. No. I'm not saying they didn't do that part about Scooby-Doo. They could have done that. But even if they did, I think they would stay late to make up for having slept in to watch Scooby-Doo. Scientists aren't trying to fool us, but until people start to assess real results versus methods used to attain them and find the flaws in logic that exist therein and then reset the system for better results forward we go, then all those earlier studies are now suspect. And in checking them out, turn out to be very shaky in the conclusions they've drawn. Are we still able to send electricity across copper wires to fire up that flat screen TV of yours? Yep. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. That doesn't mean that we understand the redshift of the universe at all. And since your TV doesn't give a shit, well, you probably don't give a shit. Unpause. And <clears throat> this whole circuitous route to finding those actually involved and accountable to the process itself, how did they come to see the activities they were participating in as not uh, a full contradiction of their humanity? How do you participate in the extermination of another people's? And <clears throat> is it by orders? For fear of um, losing your, your wages and income for these civilians who are in towns thinking other thoughts? You don't want to go join them? and save your conscience, save your soul? Just, did those thoughts cross your mind? You see what I'm saying? Like, it, it's hard to validate the group mindset of genocide without thinking you have to keep one, a whole bunch of people unaware of what's really going on, because even peripherally, 
or in my name, you act as such. Well, from that level of involvement, if it is in fact you act as such to create genocide, well, yeah, now I need to at least get over it and see what the fuck's going on and if I have to stop this. If now in my name you create too many golf courses and now we're going to turn some of those back into parks, uh, okay, I don't really need to be involved. Not sure why you went on and built all them golf courses, but Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods! My point is, it's <laughs> as bad as it gets when we talk one civilization deciding that civilization no longer deserves to exist. And understanding why it is that we can have these moments of mass delusion is information your interior meat suit wants to know. I promise. And not just for self-preservation. Going down in a genocide would be horrific. The, the amount of communal pain and suffering that an incident like this brings upon the victims, I'm sure it's a stain that lasts through many lifetimes and can't help but affect even the geography and institutions from which it's committed. But those who commit the genocide, who survive it, and then have to come to terms with it as the participant at whatever level it is that they decided they would participate, those people, I don't know. I don't know how they don't at some point join the ludicrous now 50,000 plus Americans who annually say no more. My life is going to be better gone. Suicide is never an option. Even if you participated in genocide, you can still reveal and redeem, reveal what you've been through, and it will redeem your soul. But revealing what you've been through, I'm sure, is too horrific to consider. So instead, let's continue to try to reverse engineer how we get to a position that someone has to ponder a past history of involvement in a genocidal atrocity. Is this like bad science? You just have to wait for those who were involved to perish so we can move on? Is that what's going to happen in Egypt? How long are we going to have to wait for that? I mean, haven't we been waiting forever? We've never had the truth. I say everyone who's frustrated about Egypt or Peru or Southeast Asia or Iraq or uh, Stonehenge, I guess, the crop circles for sure, whatever. Whatever horse malarkey story they're telling you, you have to believe what you know is bullshit for all of you people. We should meet in Ethiopia. Everybody brings a shovel and we just start digging. I promise.
we will set the world of astronomy on fire. On pause. All right, well, having thoroughly checked out my shovel supply, I'm going to have to put that Ethiopia trip on hold, at least for a week or two, until I can get a job, get paid, and then buy a shovel, because all I've got right now are snow shovels. So, having broken all of the handles on all of my spades, because, yeah, shit now sucks, well, that Ethiopia trip, hell, dig around North America. Why do you think we can't dig below 400 feet here? It's against the law. What sits down there? Oh, I don't know. But good shit, I know that. Pause. I'm pausing back on track. So, if we're, as societies capable of these mass delusions, what are the signs, the triggers, the indicators, if you will, that you may be on the precipice of a slippery slope down into that well let's kill all the Jews well one of the things that is indicative of a society ready to go delusional is the disconnected sense of paranoia where individuals don't trust each other because in this frame of mind, you really don't know who is a friend and who isn't. And with so much duplicity going on between those who would do you well versus those who would do you harm, well, your brain really just freaks the fuck out. And you become, you become uncertain of anything except your own autonomy, thoughts, and sovereignty therein. You have no ability to pass that out to the society around you for fear of the damage you'll take if you make a mistake. So we get tighter and tighter inside. And with all of this energetic shutdown, without being able to receive and give positive interaction, even our close friends become more of a bomb shelter uh, cast of characters who are here to air out our most our most what hmm tactile fears the existential dread that really is there well this state is where somebody coming in and giving you a reason that you feel this way giving you somebody to blame for this disconnectedness that is occurring, giving you a target on which to focus that anxiety. It's amazing how quickly societies in that position will glom on to whatever excuse is offered as a reason for their discordance. This is the first indicator that you're close to fascism and close to mass delusion as a society. So the fact that it sounds so, what, like America right now should spook you. A little bit at least. It spooks the hell out of me. Unpause. And 
it's not just like you fracture a society, you throw them a target to hate, they hate that target and they want to get rid of them all. There's a conditioning process that occurs along the way where you have, uh, well, a lot of oppositional uh, A-B scenarios. You are going to push people to team up so they feel more comfortable going with the group and a group that thinks like them than standing up and saying something that maybe is how they really feel and risking being uh, ostracized from the group that protects them and their identity as, hmm, as a defense mechanism against the other, those guys, the ones not like me, they wear purple, I wear yellow. That makes me think they're not my kind of fellow. Anybody want to play a cello? All right, all right, all right. The American way is to team up, reinforce the values you already believe are correct, come up with the most resilient arguments you can for the cracks in your veneer that are apparent when you really consider your positions as an American. <clears throat> And then hope when you go into battle that you don't run into somebody who knows a lot more about the world than you do, like, well, almost anybody outside of America. That saying, I have looked into the face of my enemy and he is me. Hmm. Might come to have new meaning for you.